Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. Welcome back, everybody. We are so happy to be back in this new year to us, or at least this is the first episode of the new year for us. And uh, we're excited to be back. Paula, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so well. It seems like it has been way too long to see you and to talk to our listeners. And no, our first recording of 2024. How was your uh, holiday? I it was kind of a bummer, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> we both got COVID leading up to Christmas, so it, we had to cancel our travel plans and ended up just staying at home and quarantining. And um, we're not feeling great for four or five, six days there. Mm, gosh, I know that's I, I did get to travel and enjoy the holiday, but shortly thereafter, I ended up with the flu. Mm. Um, so it, I think it's just hitting everybody right now. I had my goddaughter with me and she woke up the day she was ready to go home that evening and that very morning, very early. She's like, I have a headache. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. If she ended up testing positive for the flu and I'd been snuggling with her and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we went to Mexico and everybody there was sick. And so it seems like every time we go out of the country, we come back with COVID. Like I've never gotten COVID here. Oh, that's right. The last <laughs> I got time it we in went Europe, to Europe, oh got it in Mexico. God. We're going mm. back to Europe in February. So I'm oh. hoping this is not like a trend. Oh boy, get like doubly vaccinated or whatever you right. have to do. I guess mask wearing in Europe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'm grateful that our listeners were good with us taking a little time off during the holidays to travel, enjoy our families and recover from illnesses. But I know I'm so excited to be back with everybody and I just can't wait for what's in store for this year. Yeah, good things. Lots of good things. 2024 is going to be probably fast and furious because I know 23 was crazy fast I mean it's already like and we're already almost halfway into the month it's crazy well let's talk about our topic for this episode what what we picked after spending time around (laughs) over the holidays (laughs) the topic we picked right this is one that just kind of um, organically came up I think um, (laughs) for the for the holidays but we're going to be talking about toxic families and kind of how that impacts us what a toxic family is and and what that looks like in our childhood and our adulthood Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for those of us who did spend time with families, you know, this just maybe this is the perfect episode for us today. So let's start off the way we always do with a definition. So let's de- define the word toxic. So the Oxford Dictionary tells us toxic is an adjective that means poisonous or at least very harmful or unpleasant in a pervasive or insidious way. Mm, that's that seems, deep. Sounds like family toxicity there. So how do we know if we grew up in a toxic family? That's the question, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I don't know about you, but when I think about family, I I get, I have, I have mixed emotions, Mm, um, positive and negative. So there's definitely things that I absolutely love about my family, but then there's a handful of things that, you know, I can remember from childhood on that were negatives. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, probably most people have feelings of 
positive and negative things from their childhood. Those who grew up in a toxic family might feel emotional distress when they think of their family. Mm -hmm. um, but some might not even realize they grew up in toxicity, especially if you're still strongly involved in your family. So you just never really kind of learn what it is. You just know something feels off. Something mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. I guess when it's the norm, you know, until you get out of the, that, it, I think it is hard to know. Yeah, definitely. Um, the same is true about in, the impact of um, growing up in a toxic family. So like we said, many people don't realize how much of an impact a toxic childhood can impact your adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so we have some things to kind of cover as far as like signs of growing up in a toxic family. And then we'll get into uh, in your childhood and then also in your adulthood. And then we'll get into some ways that maybe you can, you know, work to adjust some of the patterns or behaviors around the toxicity and what you need to do in order to repair that or remove yourself. Sounds good to me. So let's talk about the signs of growing up in a toxic family. In case you didn't know, just kind of give yourself a little mental checklist here as we go down these. All right, the first sign here is you are expected to meet unrealistic expectations or standards. So you might have been asked to do things that you just weren't equipped to do, like discipline younger children, you know, be their care provider, especially if you were older, you know, the oldest or older in the family, take responsibility for cooking or heavy chores. And maybe you were incapable of doing them or they were unsafe. I remember one of my uh, social work heroes, Claudia Black, who does a lot of stuff in addiction counseling, talks about um, when she was young and she had to go, uh, like her father, she was with her father when he got intoxicated at a bar and he said, you're going to have to drive home. She was 13, had never driven, mm -hmm. but she never thought, was like, what do you mean I have to drive home? She just did it. She just mm -hmm. knew she was expected to. And like, she didn't even know how to turn the lights on when it was dark outside, but there was never a question of, but I can't, you know? Mm -hmm. So also, uh, you know, you might be the emotional support for the parents. And sometimes that can feel like you're their partner. And this often happens when the, the other parent is absent or just not there at all. I've heard some people in adulthood call this emotional incest. Mm -hmm. And then you might have even, you might feel like you're the mini therapist for the family that everybody comes to you to resolve their problems. Well, that's a tough role to have or to mm -hmm. be put into. It sure is. Yeah, especially I remember before growing, being trained. <laughs> very true. I remember growing up and um, being in a similar situation, being told to stay in the car and keep it running. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. While my brother-in-law went into a bar and did whatever I think they were going in to give somebody the what for. Uh huh. Can't really remember, <laughs> but I was told to wait in the car with the engine running, and I was. I, probably 12 or 13 as well. So I remember just being excited about the thought of getting to drive. <laughs> Keep it running in case we run out and have to jump in. Exactly. Someone chases exactly. us. Wow. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, another one is that maybe you were harshly criticized. So parenting requires reprimanding your child um, at some points, but uh, healthy reprimanding is constructive and focused on behaviors rather than like at the child or mm -hmm. directed at the child. Um, reprimand should not cause a child to feel uninvolved or more importantly, even unwanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's a, like, I did something wrong, so you don't love me anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, the next one here is that you had a lot of unmet needs. 
the healthy and supportive parents, family members, they meet the children's basic needs by having I mean, basic needs and then their emotional needs, like there are strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. They provide discipline, like you just mentioned, but they also provide nurture equally. They take care of their own well-being and they also take care of the children's well-being and their health, you know, and they make sure that the child gets an education and they provide access to food, clean clothing at the minimum. Mm. Seems proving. Providing. That seems very doable. <laughs> I mean, it seems like at least, you know. Yeah, like basic. This right. the basic needs. Yeah. I can see why if a person doesn't have their basic needs met, why when they're in adulthood, they can have a lot of fear and questions and mm-hmm. lack of trust. Yeah. And I think that's how people get into a place of not knowing what they need. I know when I have that conversation with clients, I generally always preface it with, you're going to have to stop and think about this first because you may not know what it is you need. You know that you need something, mm-hmm. but you haven't stopped to actually think about what that need is. Yeah. So. I was real shocked in um, some of the treatment programs where I worked that we had to do like just um, personal hygiene classes mm-hmm. and things that sometimes you assume is the norm for people where some people grow up in families that that isn't the norm because no one taught them. They weren't there or they just didn't teach them. Yeah, very true. Well, another one is lack of consistency, and that could be changing rules. Um, You don't know what to expect from day to day because the rules change constantly. Um, There's not really any stability. It just doesn't exist in the household. You learn to maybe walk on eggshells in order to avoid like setting people off in the home, making Mm -hmm. people mad, getting them upset with you. Maybe you live in a constant state of alertness, just hyper aware, and generally you're prepared for worst case scenarios. That's not good for your health. No. Your mental health or your physical health. Mm-mm. Also in these families, love was probably conditional. You know, love and affection were given for behaviors, not just given unconditionally. You had to earn love. It wasn't given freely. And one step out of line, affection was removed. Approval was not there. Mm. Yeah, that's like that unconditional, conditional love is always, it's amazing to me how that shows up in so many different places in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely impacts us. Another one is daily conversations were rare. So topics about your day or the weather were likely non-existent. So no small chit-chat or check-ins, lighthearted dinner conversations probably didn't exist. Maybe you didn't have scheduled dinners or you didn't have consistency there. And conversations were usually uh, really intense or could be superficial. Sounds like a very lonely household to grow up in. Yeah. And in households that are toxic, chaos is the norm. Day to day was engulfed in chaos. Stable and steady just doesn't exist. So family gatherings usually meant a lot of drama conflict, arguments, or passive aggression. So family gatherings, like the holidays we just went to, we went through, were not times for bonding. Instead, they were like minefields that you just learned to survive through. So I can see why wow. people don't want to go to a holiday with their yeah. family if this is the case. I remember a, for years, a successful holiday for us, nobody got punched yes. like, or attempted to run over them with their car. <laughs> I think I've shared that story. <laughs> uh-huh. I remember who ran over who with the car too. 
you'll have to listen that back. Was, that, that was the gauge. Like no one got, you know, out of control and got physical or verbal, which I can laugh about today. But growing up, I mean, it was not comfortable holidays because you just didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is, I hear clients say that if, if the cops got called, that's when we knew like <laughs> right. Christmas was over. <laughs> right. Right. Or one client used to say when someone popped the trunk, it's like, what does that mean? They'd say they'd get out a tire iron. <laughs> like, whoa, oh, no. that's Christmas. <laughs> that's scary. Well, privacy uh, was probably abnormal growing up in toxicity. Um, doors were not closed. Maybe I've I've heard families that when they do discipline with the kids, maybe they remove doors so they don't even have the option to close a door because they don't have one. So boundaries were generally lacking, emotional, physical, those types of things conversations were not private. So you have a conversation with one family member and suddenly all the family knows about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had kind of a rule with my mom because I caught her actually telling my dad something that I shared with her and I made it very clear that it needed to be private and she assured me it would be private. And then she didn't hang up her phone as she was telling my dad the conversation that we just had. And oh, I was mad. Man, I was mad. Oh, but so my rule is kind of like, don't tell mom anything that you wouldn't feel comfortable posting on social media. Um, so basically, everybody knew everyone else's business. Mm-hmm. There was no privacy, no security there. It was just everybody kind of shared everyone's business. But to your face, they would tell you, oh, no, 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 I've got you. Mm-hmm. I picture like the mom cleaning quote unquote the daughter's room but really going in there to rifle through her stuff mm-hmm. and read her journal that's just like you know, if you're suspecting something that's one thing but kids deserve a, a element of privacy mm-hmm. that they should be able to shower without anyone coming in there are just so many things and like taking that door off as discipline there's a lot of there's a lot to that and perhaps when we do a parenting episode we'll talk a little bit about that mm-hmm And so in all of this situation, the accountability from the adults is lacking. Apologies from adults don't occur, or if they do, they're pretty rare in this this scenario. I think it's pretty safe to say that the emotional barometer was broken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Emotions were either hidden or exaggerated. So you either didn't have them or they were just over the top. That's I asked my... uh, my niece, who's a, a school counselor, like when are emotions taught to kids? Like, you know, are they taught in school? And she said there is curriculum uh, to teach about emotions in school because we just don't in families too mm-hmm. often because we just we don't sit down and have a lecture about it. They just learn it from what they see. And sometimes it's not positive and healthy. Mm-mm. And of course, like by the way, and we'll talk about this on another episode, but there is an opposite end of the spectrum to consider. There are parents who are like overly involved and that also disallows children room for growth and development. So children just by and large need some personal physical space to grow and develop. They, they, they need to be appropriately and safely independent to develop, to develop their own sense of self. Makes sense. That's- those helicopter parents. Yeah. Well, I might have leaned <laughs> that way too much. <laughs> so some signs um, in adulthood, kind of what that looks like. Uh, licensed professional counselor Catherine Fabrizio provides the rule of thumb to remember. This is a quote. If you end up feeling bad about yourself after most encounters with a family member, there's probably a good reason for that. 
one worth looking into. Agreed. So let's go over the signs that you're currently as an adult dealing with family toxicity. Either you're in it now or you grew up in it. So these are what's this is what's going on in your life because of that. So first up is you feel controlled. So toxic families tend to try to control the major aspects of your life, um, like your relationships, your career, lots of input, lots of pushback, lots of, you know, feedback that maybe you don't ask for. Mm -hmm. um, they might imply or outright communicate that their love and approval is conditional upon you doing as they expect, doing mm -hmm. what they say. So that conditional love. I've heard some parents tell their kids, like, I'm not paying for college unless you uh, like major in something mm -hmm. like that you're going to get a reasonable job. I mean, that's their business. It's their money if they're going to give it. But like, what's a reasonable job? Yeah, you know? right. I'd right. say that means something I approve of. Mm -hmm. Next up is that you don't feel love, compassion, or respect. I mean, we've talked about this. All families have disagreements, but everybody should still be treated with love and respect. And we don't always agree with choices of our family members, but in healthy family members, we still respect them. We still love them, even if they're going down a path we wouldn't choose. So in toxic families, you might feel disdain instead of love. And family members might mock you, put you down for your choices. They may attack you in the areas they know you're vulnerable and just do things that constantly chip away at your self-esteem. That disdain, yeah. I think, is a big one. It is. Like yeah. you mentioned in the beginning, we all have positive and negative, but th this is disdain. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm Yeah. Well, oftentimes addiction is present. So substance use issues are not always a sign of family dysfunction, but addiction and other compulsive behaviors can lead to unhealthy family dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, some signs of toxicity in, the, in, in that area would look like substance use negatively impacting mood or behaviors of family members, uh, emotional or physical abuse resulting from the substance use, hidden use, so keeping it secret, Failure to discuss use or addiction concerns, so just not not talking about it, avoiding it, and sometimes enabling addiction. Like what we talk about in our treatment programs, like the elephant in the room. We just tiptoe around it, even though mm -hmm. it's pooping and filling up the room. <laughs> and in some toxic families, there's verbal, physical, or emotional abuse. Any type of abuse is toxic. It doesn't just apply to physical abuse. So abuse could also include inappropriate touching, sexual gestures, or innuendo. Like I talked about earlier, if you can't take a shower without someone accidentally, quote unquote, walking in, um, sexual comments about your body, name calling, physical violence, sexual violence, uh, or harsh extreme criticism, and uh, gaslighting. And Several of these we've talked about in past episodes, like I know episode 85, Gaslighting, we just had talk, we have an episode on that. And then episodes 48 through 51 are a series we did about abuse. And we talked about all the kinds of abuses. Definitely worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Dysfunction is chronic in a toxic family. So families rarely get along perfectly all the time, but disagreements can occur during periods of change and high stress. The difference between toxic and healthy is in a healthy family, these behaviors are going to be temporary. So you may see them, but they're not constant. Mm -hmm. um, some problems that can bring on temporary issues include things like challenges at school or work, trouble with friendships or other relationships, health concerns or emotional distress, 
and financial difficulties, which is a big one. Mm -hmm. In a family that's not toxic, the person responsible for the inappropriate behavior regrets the behavior and will apologize, then work to improve the relationship so they don't just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen. They actually take ownership, take responsibility, and then try to do something about it. That's a lot of stuff. And I mean, obviously there are long-term effects of growing up with family toxicity or even being an adult and having toxicity in the family. Some of those long-term effects are feeling isolated and lonely, even if you're out of the family, having low self-worth or self-esteem, having patterns of troubled, unhealthy relationships yourself now that you're out of the house, but you're having your own unhealthy relationships because we can just recreate this toxicity and chronic feelings of guilt, shame, worthlessness, sometimes for no reason having attachment issues, attachment theory altogether is fascinating. We should talk about it one day. Toxic families can even give you like diagnosable PTSD and then your own parenting issues. If you weren't parented in a healthy way, how do you know what healthy is? Oh, that's a big question. Well, this is fantastic information about toxic families, and we can't wait to be back next week to talk about the rest of this topic. To be continued. Thank you for listening to Life Lived Better with Paula and Joseph.